Hello, my beautiful Woman Inc. listeners. My guest this week is Kathy Polinsky, a seasoned technology executive with over 20 years of industry experience and happens to be a VP of engineering at Shopify. Kathy was most recently the chief technology officer at Stitch Fix, an online personal shopping service. Kathy helped take Stitch Fix public and led the engineering, product, and IT organizations through rapid growth. Prior to Stitch Fix, Kathy led a variety of engineering organizations and initiatives at Salesforce for seven years, including her role as SVP of engineering. She also built robust, large-scale systems and led engineering teams at top companies like Amazon, Yahoo, and Oracle. She is currently an independent board director at Aton and graduated from Swarthmore College with a special major in computer science and is a member of the Swarthmore College Board of Managers. I am a huge Shopify fan, which I probably mentioned about a hundred times in this episode, but it is the platform my team and I have used to build a multi-million dollar business. So I was so excited to meet the woman who is engineering much of that tech that I get to use every single day. Kathy is not only brilliant, but also incredibly down to earth. And my favorite part was probably talking about her role as a mom. I hope this conversation brings you just the little bit of inspiration that you need to hear. Now, let's get over to my conversation with Kathy. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hi, Kathy. Welcome to the podcast. I am so happy to have you on today. Me too. Hi, Jenna. Nice to be here. So I have to tell you, my team is so fangirling. Like they really (laughs) wanted to come on the podcast. Our senior engineer is like, can I just come on and listen? I'm like, you can listen to the recording because I know you'll ask so many questions and I won't be able to talk. That's so sweet. I really appreciate that. (laughs) You're like full celeb status and my e-commerce brands that I am the president of. So yes, we are huge Shopify fans. Every time something goes wrong in the past few weeks, they're like, can you ask Kathy? I'm like, no, <laughs> we're not talking about anything that, <laughs> anything going on. We can on. talk about a lot of things today. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but no, I'm so incredibly honored to have you truly. And I just can't wait to get into your story and hear all about how you got to where you are now. Sounds great. Me too. Great. So let's rewind a little bit. First, you now are VP of Engineering at Shopify, prior CTO, Stitch Fix, amazing company as well, Salesforce, Yahoo, like all of these huge (laughs) companies. Did you know from a young age that this is what you wanted to do with your career? 
Absolutely not. I mean, from a young age, I didn't even know what technology meant or, I mean, frankly, it was just the early days of personal computers when I was growing up. So when I was in first grade, my school got a grant for a bunch of Apple II computers. And, you know, starting in first grade, I got to go to computer class once a week, which was a big treat. And um, I started out doing logo programming, which was a little triangle on a screen and you would give it commands to draw pictures. And you know, frankly, it's a full programming language. Um, there are loops, <laughs> there are functions. You can you can do a lot with with a visual experience. I think it's you know kind of the early days of what you know Scratch has become for my kids. But it definitely got this like hook into me of like being able to use commands to solve problems that um, I really enjoyed. But there weren't any computer classes in my middle school. There was one in my high school. In fact, my high school got another grant for. Com- computer lab when I was in high school and they gave it to the typing department, not the computer science department, um, which was kind of crazy to think about back then. So even though I was interested in studying computer science in uh, college, I thought about more of an abstract, like a math problem, not like, you know, what you can really do with technology. Um, And so it really wasn't until I had my first internship, which I really, you know, got to experience what it was to to be in the tech industry and to to think about what um, a career and technology would look like. Yeah. So you start, I'm sure, like getting into it, I guess, after what was your first job after college? Amazon. Amazon. (laughs) So that was really going right into it. (laughs) So um, I started working at Amazon in 1999, the peak of the dot-com boom. We were launching new tabs on Amazon, you know, every month it seemed. Um, We would have big launch parties on the eighth floor of the Pac-Med building. And uh, there was a big meme of what we would do when we run out of tab space um, before we had a search-driven interface. So uh, um, it just was these funny jokes of, of like entire pages of just tabs instead of any product details. And it was probably full startup vibes at that time. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was in this transition phase where um, my friend had started the year before and they were all in this, you know, one small building in downtown Seattle. And, you know, like I actually thought I'd missed the real startup vibe of it. Um, you know, I think, you know, engineering was in the hundreds of people um, or, you know, just hitting like, you know, a couple thousand when I was there. And so it seemed like, oh, if only I'd gotten there a little earlier, what did I know? <laughs> you know, I was really living a lot of the growth, um, but uh, you know, it doesn't. It, you know, it always feels like you're you're missing something. Uh, you know, what was it like a little bit before you? Sometimes, yeah. Looking back, you're like, no, that was definitely early days. <laughs> so yeah. going through this, and I was talking to Michelle, our developer, about this as well. It's just I was telling her, you know, your background, and I was saying this is very rare, right, for a woman um, in technology to have this incredibly impressive background. And she's like, yes, it's so rare. You don't even know how rare. (laughs) How has that journey been for you? Like, I have to imagine you've had to be very strong. And at times it probably was a bit lonely. I'd say it's never been completely lonely. I've always had other, you know, women or uh, support throughout my whole career. I'd say early on my career, I just wanted to blend in. I didn't want to be getting any attention for being a woman. I just like, I would dress like the guys. I talked like the guys. I, you know, played video games or, um, you know, I remember Amazon. I just, all the guys were 
button up uh, polos and um, and <laughs> khakis and you know I never would have worn a dress to work um, you know because I just didn't want to stand out I really wanted to fit in and you know it wasn't until I got into more leadership roles at both Salesforce and then at Stitch Fix where I felt like I could be my authentic self. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I realized that like me trying to be someone I'm not wasn't actually working. And um, it really, you know, it was just a lot of overload on like, you're, you know, trying to think about the like, how would this person do this thing instead of having a lot of role models that had different leadership styles. Um, and a Stitch Fix was def- definitely a breakthrough for me of, of just seeing a lot of other women executives that had different styles of leadership and realizing that, you know, by leaning into who I was and and being my authentic self, it just made space for everybody in the room um, to also be their authentic selves. And it's just, it is really freeing not to have to, to think about like, you know, trying to fit in. Yes, it is. But I could totally see that. I feel like I would be very similar to you. (laughs) Um, So one of our sister companies is full Salesforce. We are full Shopify and it's like kind of this unspoken battle. They're different, obviously different products and we're different businesses. But how would you say going from uh, Salesforce to more of a startup environment at Stitch Fix and then to Shopify. How would you say you've grown as a leader going to these different companies? Yeah, I'd say Salesforce was my first time really being an executive uh, vice president roles. And it was a bigger company. I got to see how things worked at scale. Um, You know, just going from Salesforce was really a single line business, the sales cloud, the CRM product, and then expanding um, into new clouds, into new verticals was just really amazing to see. Um, You know, when I I started at Salesforce, even though, you know, it was well past the IPO, there were only 300 engineers at the company. um, And and so I really got to know all of the leadership team and, you know, all of the other directors and VPs of engineering um, at the company. And uh, the pace of growth was just amazing. It was just like it was 30 to 40% every year consistently, which doesn't seem like that much when you're in it. But when you look back after two years, after three years, after five years, you're like, wow, like, you know, just um, it is this sustained growth that is just so impressive. And it's impressive that they've continued this, you know, that to this day. You know, I had a couple opportunities there to take on roles that I had um, responsibility more than just engineering. And I got to interface with sales teams and marketing teams and, um, you know, just feel like Salesforce does things really well in those areas for um, enterprise software that, um, you know, just really think that I like created this foundation for me to think about more about being a business leader instead of just a technology leader. Um, I still love technology. I still like that's in my area of, of focus. But um, but I think it's really important as you go up in leadership roles to um, not think about just what you're building, but why you're building it and, and making sure that you're you're having the most impact on on your customers. Um, and then when I moved to Stitch Fix, I got to do that even more so. Having a seat at the table at the C-suite um, is is just a different experience where I was interfacing more with our 
merchandising leaders and our um, people leaders and our finance team and our legal, you know, chief legal officer. And so I'd say I, I was most surprised going to Stitch Fix how operational it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, how c- complex a business of merchandising is and inventory management and dealing with customers and things that I thought would be really small changes on the website would have second or third order impact that may not have been um, the best. So even just saying, you know, Stitch Fix businesses, you send the clothes out and um, they get to try them on home and return it. And um, you, know, you want to give them enough time to really get to wear the clothes and feel f- for whether they want to keep it, but you don't want them to keep it out too long <laughs> yeah. because you want the products back in your inventory. And so, you know, it would be a one line change to say, hey, we're going to give you four days instead of three days to try things on. But if you model out how much more inventory that is out, how much more inventory we'd have to buy in order to serve all those needs, it's it's a really big cost and and or it could have negative impacts on the next round of people who are waiting for those clothes. And so, you know, just it just made me think about problems in a different way. And, um, you know, just was, I think, a real great growth opportunity for me. And then Shopify ends up being this like blend of them both. And it's been this really unique melding of um, really looking at at problems at scale, like I did at Salesforce, at thinking about an enterprise space, but really focusing on this commerce aspect that I did at Stitch Fix. A lot of my time at Stitch Fix was actually building tools to run the business. So it wasn't actually seen by our customers, but it was inventory systems and shipping and returns and our warehouse and customer support and like all the things that you kind of feel, but um, they're not, they're kind of back office-y. And so my role at Shopify is building tools for merchants um, within merchant services. And so it's dealing with our marketplaces and our retail point of sales products, our shipping products, all of our money products. And so it's really interesting to get to do some of the things that I did at Stitch Fix, but for millions of merchants, not just one. Um, and so I love dealing with problems of scale and thinking about things as a platform and um, and really thinking about how that the things that we're building can have a, a worldwide impact around um, on commerce. Yeah, I mean, and you guys are truly the number one e-commerce platform, I think, in the has to be in the world, right? In the world, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I go to integrate and it's like Shopify, or I think there's like sometimes a, a few other names, I'm like, I don't even know what those are. <laughs> um, but Shopify's everywhere. I mean, I use it every day. It's such an incredible product. I just yeah. am so obsessed with it. I'm so proud of it too. And it's really um, our focus is to support entrepreneurship, um, to really support merchants from their first sale all the way through full scale. We had over half a dozen of our merchants uh, go through IPO last year, which is just mind blowing to me. And I know just it's really proud to see um, something that, you know, starts out so small to, to be able to scale so well on this platform. Rather than just seeing one brand scale, like you said, you're getting to see all of these brands from inception through possibly going public and and everything in between. When you are looking at developing new products or scaling Shopify in general, what is the first thing that you go to when trying to come up with a new idea? Like, Are you looking at problems or are you more looking at what opportunities are in front of us? 
you know, it's a combination of factors. We do have a lot of hackathons for our team to be able to play around and innovate and think of new ideas. And so I'd say it's across the whole company. We have everybody who has this entrepreneurship, innovation, you know, spirit to what they're doing. But it really comes down to connection with our merchants and listening to them. So I know a lot of what we were doing with our money product came from hearing about the pain points it is for our merchants to, you know, have to navigate banking systems and payments. We launched a product for giving capital to merchants and we've given out over $2 billion in small business loans out to our merchants. And, you know, some of that was just because we had the data to be able to really qualify qualify merchants at low risk to us. And we knew, you know, we had the capital be able to to do this at times where, you know, merchants are really strapped for cash. When they're trying to grow, they have to put the capital out to get the products. But we know that they have, you know, all of the metrics behind them to to really close on those sales. Um, And so I feel like we can do things at scale that other people can't, that we can, you know, use our data for good and and really um, level the playing field for folks. We like to talk about arming the rebels, like, you know, really um, using our platform to help the small merchants, the, the you know, first time entrepreneurs. Because um, I, I, you know, I do think like banking systems are really difficult to navigate. And they've, you know, financial systems has always put women at a disadvantage. And, um, and, and so like, I love this idea of leveling the playing field about using our data to, to make it easier for, for everybody. And speaking of disadvantages. Um, I want to talk about, I know that you are very passionate about STEM and within the hiring process, now that you are at this very high level, what is something that is really important to you when you're looking to grow your team? So I do care passionately about making the tech industry more welcoming and um, and having an even playing field for everybody to participate. Um, frankly, there aren't enough technologists to solve like all of the employment gaps that we have in this space, and so it is just good for our our world to to be able to attract women and underrepresented minority into the field. And so I think that that's that's just something that I, I care about and hope that we're creating a better generation for my daughters and, you know, other, other women um, that come after. But, um, you know, when I'm looking for a team, I want the top talent. Um, And I I really am looking for folks that can be innovative, that can build, that can have impact, that really, you know, love uh, technology and and love solving um, really tough problems. What I care about is that we're not biasing that decision-making based on who happens to be in the room. I think it's easy to connect to someone in an interview process that looks like you, that went to your school, that, you know, came with your same background. And, um, you know, what we talk a lot about when we're doing interviewing is, is, um, not to look for, you know, culture fit, but a culture add. Like who's going to add a different voice to the table? Who's going to think differently than the people that are already here? Um, who's going to push, um, the conversation forward? And so, you know, there's been some times where people talk about interview problems like, you know, who would you want to get stuck with in an, in, <laughs> in a, 
airport or who would you, you know, want to go have drinks with? And, um, you know, that's not the right question to be asking. It's like, who would you really want to solve a tough problem with? Who, who is going to push you to, to think about things in a different way? Because that's really what it's at. That's when you have a really good team. Shopify has more than, you know, 50% of the merchants on our platform are women. Yeah. And so we need to have a diverse set of, of people building the products um, that are going out to our merchants that look just as diverse as our as our merchants. Do you ask any trick questions? No, I actually try not to ask trick questions because I I don't want the person who happened to have heard the question before or is like really good at the gotcha problem solves. I, I really want to see people at their best. Um, mm. It doesn't mean I'm an easy interviewer. Like I still <laughs> ask really tough questions. But I really want to see everybody at their best and, and really to make sure that, that they're comfortable coming into the interview, that they're not nervous, that they're not like, you know, playing on their defense. You know, I, I had one interview when I was still in college and I just remember this, like, I, I believe that this person was just like trying to see how hard I would defend my problem because like I gave a solution to this day, I'm pretty sure it was the right solution. And, you know, he wouldn't tell me why it was wrong or what he was doing, but he was just, are you sure? Are you really sure? Are you sure that would work? <laughs> and, and, you know, I just got so nervous that I shut down and I didn't really defend it and, you know, kind of a little bit kicked myself afterwards, but also just felt like, you know, like it really gave me a bad taste for the interview when I was done of like, is this someone I want to work with um, who is really not going to collaborate with me, but is just, you know, seeing like how much, you know, I'm going to you know push back on a, you know, a challenge. Yeah. I love that. It's such a good point. I've really never thought about it that way. But it's true. Seeing people at their best is where you will get the best interview. Yeah. And that's where you'll get the best out of your coworkers too. Like we want, we all want to be helping each other um, bring their best game to the table. So I know you speak openly about how hard it was coming off of maternity leave when you were at Yahoo. And I know a lot of women that can completely relate to this. <laughs> Can you just talk a little bit about any advice you have through that process and how just being a mom and working in, in tech and having this very high level, high stress <laughs> job, you've been able to navigate all of this? Yeah. I mean, it, it was a really difficult transition. And I'd say I am type A. I always bring my A game. And, you know, I really always am pushing myself to do better and better on things. And so um, when I came back from maternity leave, I wanted to hit the ground running. I wanted to do all the things I could do before. And, you know, in fact, my team that I left behind was doing so well. I volunteered to work on a brand new high priority project at Yahoo. Um, you know, I raised my hand and they said, great. And then, you know, when I got to this new initiative, it was hard. I mean, it was way more people than my last team. Um, it was new. People were working really hard hours. There was a lot of travel between different sites. And so, you know, when I saw my peers like really putting in those extra hours and working, like I felt like I really needed to as well to, to really uh, distinguish myself on the project. And at the same time, Things weren't going well with our childcare. My daughter had kind of stopped eating that much during the day. Like, you know, she, I heard she was crying all the time. The, we were doing a nanny share. Another mom was 
calling me, telling me how the day wasn't going well. (laughs) Like, I can't do this all at once. And so I just went and I quit. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this is not working. And I feel like I'm failing at my job. I'm failing as a mom. Like, you know, something's got to give. And to my surprise, my male boss and my male boss's boss and others like reached out to me and said, hey, Kathy, what's going on? Like, tell me more. Why are you thinking about leaving? Can we convince you to stay? Um, First off, that surprised me because I thought I wasn't doing very well. And so my perception of the situation was different than reality. The fact that, you know, people, you know, had wanted me to stay was, um, you know, actually a little relieving because the, the talk track in my head was different, I think, than reality. But the real thing that came out was um, one of the executives said, Kathy, I, I don't know if we can give you what you want or what you need, but you're not even letting us try. Mm. Um, and that like woke me up. I'd say it was just like, huh, you're really right. Like I, I haven't even articulated to myself what I want or need, let alone ask somebody else for it. And you know, my immediate got irrational. So like, I just want to work 40 hours a week and not travel. And when I thought that to myself, I was like, well, that's dumb. Like, if that's all I want, there's no way they would say no to that. Um, Like, I'm the one who's pushing myself to work more than 40 hours. And I'm the one who's pushing myself to to travel. And and so, you know, I, I really reflected back and said, like, is this just a period of time that I need to get through? And will I regret um, leaving? And so um, instead, I called my mom. And so I'm really happy to have my mom for me. And I did separate from the nanny share that we had and my mom watched my daughter and I did I did pair back on on the work for a little bit and I I stopped traveling for a few months and things got better like I got a new um, childcare situation I just stopped worrying so much about like what I thought that I need to do and really thought about what was really necessary for the team and six months later it's like a wholly different story and I did get promoted and I you know I did you know really um, take on more of a role but um, what I learned was that I think that one thing you learn when you're a parent is to focus on the things that matter it's not just about working more hours and it's not just about doing everything on yourself but it is about building a team around you and delegating and and prioritizing and saying like, hey, this thing that I spent a lot of time on really doesn't matter that much. And when I stopped doing it, no one cared. Whereas this other thing that I haven't been focusing on or, you know, really needs to get done, like, you know, I'll spend my time there. And so I guess my advice, I do want to make sure that people don't take away this of like, don't give people stretch assignments when they get back from maternity leave because everyone's different. And I don't think it's good for anyone to make assumptions. I've heard other women who are upset because they got passed over for choice assignments after they came back from maternity leave. And and that's not good either. Like, frankly, like, I'm glad I got that stretch assignment. It did help me in the long run. It just was harder than I thought. And, you know, I think that I had to think about what I needed to do that not that I wanted to be passed up for it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such brilliant advice. And it's just making me think even if you aren't like you don't have a baby, this is just very good (laughs) advice of open communication and not being afraid of asking for what you want. It's like generally people will be reasonable. And that voice in your head, I think a lot of people can identify with that. Um, I have to constantly tell my team, you're fine. Everything's okay. (laughs) Um, Because I think that's just such a normal thing of always thinking that we're not doing enough. But I love that answer. I think that will help so many women. So thank you for that. 
Yeah. I, I hope people will talk about it more because I don't think that I had enough role models or people who talked to me about things that were hard coming back to work. And um, and so I do share that story in hopes that it helps somebody and that people will share their own stories with each other as well. The other thing I think that does help is when men take parental leave as well. So it's not just the women. And so I, I hope that I've seen a higher trend of that, both at Shopify as well as other companies. And I hope that we continue to see more of that. Oh, I, th- I can identify with like the type A, you would feel like I'm getting behind or they're, you know, like I'm missing out where the, the men are like continuing to strive. Yeah, it's a very good point. So when you have this very high level stress job or just a lot of responsibility on your hands, I mean, can't really imagine. I'm afraid of messing up just my Shopify account because I have full <laughs> admin permissions. <laughs> you have access to everyone's Shopify account. How do you take time for you and just to take a second and breathe and, you know, just <laughs> calm down for a little bit? <laughs> you know, I I love spending time with my family. So I've got two daughters and, you know, I'd say I take pleasure in the small things these days. So Shopify moved to this digital by uh, design model of work. So we no longer have an office. We have space for people to collaborate in for bursts, we call it. Um, so people travel into locations, but we don't have a day-to-day place that people go to. Um, so you're working from home. And um, that's saved a lot of time for me um, to, to be able to read more, go on my Peloton sometimes. But um, the thing that I think I appreciate the most is picking up my kids from school. You know, there was a friend of mine who was a CEO years ago who told me the best thing that she ever did in her career was to have one day a week where she picked up her kids from school. Mm. Um, and the reason is like kids are more talkative right after their day. By the time dinner comes along, they're done. Like that was like... Like yesterday in their mind, yeah. like they can't remember, they're not going to tell you about it. But, but there is something about like catching them in the moment and being there to celebrate their wins or the bad things that happened in their day or the terrible lunch that they had, you know, whatever it is. Um, and some days they're still, they're not going to talk to you at all. But, you know, <laughs> even if it's like, you know, one in three, you know, like those days um, are precious to me. With Shopify, I've been s- shifting my schedule. Sometimes I'll, s- I'll work East Coast hours and then I'll um, I'll pick up my kids from school and or I'll take a break um, when I can. I can't do it every day, but um, even just once or twice a week, it it matters a whole lot to me. And it's, it's something that, you know, has recharged me and given me, uh, you know, a lot more um, joy to be able to take, you know, kind of control of my schedule that way. Yes, I love picking my nephew up from school. I'm like, tell me all of the drama. What happened in kindergarten? (laughs) And then I often take them out for boba, which is really big around here. So their bubble tea, which is a big treat for them. (laughs) So cute. (laughs) So this next question is a request from my team. I said, tell me what questions you want. I'll ask them. So Michelle and our team was, was mentioning that Shopify has the capabilities to sell NFTs, um, which is really exciting. I didn't actually know that. Yeah. Where do you see the metaverse going, um, moving forward, I guess, with Shopify? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that we're really bullish on NFTs and crypto. And, you know, I think that we're balancing how much um, effort we've, we put into it, but we have a, a really talented team working in this space. And so 
I'd say what Shopify does is we help people stay ahead of technology and simplify technology for for folks. Um, so we make the like simple things easy and the complex things possible. But with NFTs, it's just like we're making it possible for everybody to get into um, the space and to really experiment with it. And so we had a a company all hands this year and we asked everybody to create an NFT wallet and we gave away some NFTs and and tied it to some real um, company swag to celebrate um, our, our all hands. And so it was really fun. Like, like I think it was just like getting people to dabble in technologies they hadn't had a lot of experience with and to, to kind of show things off um, to their families and friends. So I think that this is just the beginning. I, I don't know where it's going to go, but I do love this idea of being able to kind of authenticate real products with NFTs. This idea that I know, I think that like counterfeit items is a big problem in commerce. And, you know, I think that this like really gives an ability to, you know, really authenticate um, uh, your products and to, to make sure that like when you say you have the real thing, you really do. Wow. I've never thought about NFTs for authentication purposes. That's very smart. That's very smart. I think it could be really cool. So that, you know, we'll see where it goes, but uh, I'm my excited. Yeah. I'm excited to watch what Shopify does with the metaverse. So my last question, sadly, I feel like I could talk to you for hours offline. All of my Shopify questions, I know. Um, what would be your number one piece of advice for a woman who is wanting to either start her own business or just go all in on the career that she wants more than anything else? Yeah, I'd say I always tell people to lean into the things that make them the most uncomfortable. And it's just where you get the most growth and you know, really how you can learn the most. And so whether it is like taking that first leap to uh, start your own business and get your first sale, um, or it is like raising your hand for a, a hard project or a new role. You know, I think don't shy away from those things that give you that like you know, nervous uh, pit in your stomach that that like, I'm someone who really thinks strongly of of like learning through um, experiences and learning through failures. And so um, don't be afraid of, of uh, like some stumbling blocks that you'll learn more through them and be able to um, rise above them your next time. Yes. So good. Kathy, thank you so much. I really hope to meet you in person someday. I feel like I could sit with you for hours, like I said. <laughs> um, just on the wholesale platform alone, by the way. We're, we just launched. I'm like, I have so many questions. It's <laughs> amazing. Well, we're so glad to yeah. have you yeah, on Shopify. No, and yes. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.